Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Wow, welcome back to another episode of the War Room Podcast. Uh, your host here, Big E and T-Cop. How you doing, T-Cop? What's up, Big E? Ain't nothing, man. Just one day at a time. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and Believe. Back better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use your, our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Big E, what's going on, brother? Ain't nothing, man. Just, uh... Living life the best we can. Had another solid weekend of football uh, as mm-hmm. far as NFL and as East Carolina won another game this weekend. So I'm in good spirits. True. Speaking of football, tell me a little bit about what you got going on with the semi-pro thing. What's going on? Okay, so right now I'm serving as a deputy commissioner of the Coastal Football Alliance um, Summer League. And right now we're getting to, uh, to the end of the season. Got some good teams from the state of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia competing to you know, uh, finish up the season, get playoff seating to move forward. And also we got an all-star game coming up at that same time where we're selecting the all-stars from each team. And this year we're doing something a little different. We decided to do a theme. So okay. it's going to be one all-star team is going to be have a Marvel theme. Okay. The other one's okay. going to have a DC theme. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have the players actually draft players from every team. So it's not going to be like an East versus West Okay. You might be playing against your teammates, so we're going to make it a little bit more interesting to maybe, you know, pick up the competition level and, and see how players work together. So it'll be fun. A lot of jokes, a lot of laughter, but that's the Coastal Football Alliance. You can follow that on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, and we'll have some dates coming up soon uh, as we move further in the podcast. We'll add some dates in down the road. And, and I got a question for you. This is for all the comics out there. Uh, I'm not a comic guy. Yeah, me either. But... Who's on the Marvel side and who's on the DC side? You ain't got to name all of them, but just give me <sighs> one so I can kind of put them in categories. I don't really. Batman is a DC guy. He's a DC. Superman okay. is DC. Okay. And you got the Iron Man, the Hulk, and Captain America. That's going to be on the Marvel side. The Marvel side. Sides. Okay. So I know Marvel clearly makes the better movies. You think so? I mean, what DC movie compares to any Iron Man movie or that's true. Captain America or? The Thanoses and all of them, you know what uh, I mean? Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So those movies are way better regardless. I don't care what nobody says, but uh, it'll be interesting. So I don't know who's gonna, how we're going to do this uniform, but it's going to be a really dope uniform. Like I like the, that. The putting it all together, putting those comics and stuff all into the jersey itself is going to end up good. being pretty cool. So we'll have that posted on the War Room Podcast page on Facebook as once we get those going. But that's the Coastal Football Alliance on Facebook, Instagram. Go follow it. But... 
going to that, we said all of that. Whoop de whoop de whoop. Let's talk about some some professional football. Okay. okay. You know, so Monday night. We had spoke about it last week about the Raiders versus the Chargers. Are both these teams legit? Mm-hmm. What's the deal? I do know it was crazy the fact that there was a weather delay in a roof stadium. <laughs> I didn't realize that until someone said something about, oh, the sides are opening, so they were being cautious. But mm-hmm. it was kind of weird for you to turn on the TV and the game didn't kick off till 8.50 and it was supposed to kick off at 8 o'clock. True. But um, the Chargers jumped out on the Raiders pretty quick. They did. I'm talking about jumped out, jumped out. Like, what, 21 zip? It was 21 zip at one point in time. And then the Raiders had a rally and got to 21-14. And then the Chargers sealed it off with another touchdown to make it 28-14. to But those are very good football teams. I feel like both of them have a chance to go far into the season. Obviously, we're still very early. But they're showing signs of being competitive. And a lot of teams this year are showing signs of being competitive. Like, it's really a toss-up across the board who's going to do what. You know, yeah. you really don't know. You know, we were speaking offline and you made the comment about the the Panthers being mm-hmm. a real deal, even though they just lost. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think about them. Man, I t- honestly, the reason why I'm so high on the Panthers right now, not because they was three and one, not three and oh going into this weekend, mm-hmm. but the way they played Dallas, shout out Aunt Lisa. But the way they played Dallas is in my eyes, everybody know I'm hound Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboy fan, per se. Should be. Yeah, everybody think that. But mm-hmm. I can appreciate good football. I can appreciate where a team has been in the past. When I say been in the past, I ain't talking about in the 90s. I'm talking about <laughs> always, everybody always had this hype for the Cowboys to win right, something. Right. This year, I feel like the Cowboys, this is their Super Bowl year. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm telling you, this is their year. I'm a Cowboys fan. Please don't do that. I think this is their year to win a Super Bowl. And I think Dak may get an MVP this year. I feel, but but back to the, the Panthers. That's why I had to talk about the Cowboys first <laughs> so you can understand where I'm going at with the Panthers. Uh-huh. I feel like because the Panthers played the Cowboys the way they did this weekend, even though they got beat, but it was without their best player. Um McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, they, for were, sure. they were without him. For and sure. he's a he's probably about 60% of their offense. He's a walking touchdown. Exactly. Yeah. So by them playing the Cowboys the way they played the Cowboys, I feel like the Panthers are legit. They're not just, you know, they're not just blowing smoke. It's not because mm-hmm. of the teams they're playing. They are a legit team. Because to me, I think the Cowboys is the team to beat this year. You know, um, the Panthers, I had an opportunity to see them play week one. Mm-hmm. And I was actually shocked at the success that Aaron Donald had. It's not Aaron Donald, but what's the Sam Donald. Sam Donald. There yeah. we go. Sam Donald. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he had it in him. And someone, the commentator made a statement. was like, you forget how athletic he was because he lost so much while he was at the Jets because yeah. it was just a bad situation. Terrible situation. You know, I remember going back and I went and watched Chris Johnson play where he was with the Jets. And he mm-hmm. was just like, Biggie, I can't stand it here. So I feel like the culture there just yeah. didn't write or something didn't write. So Sam yeah. Donald, we – didn't get a few a, a, a real view or a good feel of him until he came to the Panthers. So I feel like I hope he can sustain it. I'm not a Panthers fan by any means. That was the team I went to mm-hmm. uh, coming out of college in the NFL, and they cut me. So I, anybody, <laughs> you get fired by your boss. Do you like him? I'm sorry, I don't. So uh, and plus, is it me or just when the Panthers are on TV, it just don't ever look as good as the other games? Like it it's like it's like it's not in HD or something. That, and listen, I'm not a Panther hater. I'm not a Panther hater. But I don't like watching their games. It's hard to watch. Yeah, I don't like I, watching their games. The first game of the year was them versus the Jets. You know how hard that was to watch? 
Yep. That was tough. But um, unless they play in the Cowboys or a team that I really want to see, then I watch. Exactly. It. Now, speaking of my Dallas Cowboys and, and, and people that are listening, we don't mean to talk about the Cowboys every week because I'm a fan. They literally have the most interesting games over they the do. weekend. They do. I mean, Dak went 14 for 22 for 188 and four touchdowns. The 188 isn't magnificent, but he only completed 14 passes mm-hmm. and had four touchdowns. Mm hmm. That's outstanding. I'm telling you. Then Zeke rushed for 143 on 20 carries and, and a touchdown. So he's starting to look like he's supposed to look like. And I think he's putting that running back controversy to bed. No, he wasn't trying to hear that, right? He's trying to hear because this is not just this is not the first game that I feel like he's really came out and looked like the old. Last uh, week he did Zeke. the same. Yeah, the last week he ran the ball hard. Uh, with a ton of motivation. Mm-hmm. And this week he come out and rushed for over 100 yards. You know, so I feel like he's he's really trying to come back into his own. He's running with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And now all of that talk that I was talking about with Tony Pollard being maybe he should be the featured, he's making me look crazy right now. Well, no, Tony Pollard's still averaging seven yards a carry. Yeah, I mean, he's still you Tony can't Pollard. Take the, he's, he's Tony, don't do him Tony Pollard like but, that. But Zeke is stepping up and showing this is why they paid him this exactly. much money. Exactly, and they still overpaid him. I can agree with that. The thousand percent they overpaid him. <laughs> so... Speaking of another Dallas player, let's go to the other side of the ball. Yep. Uh, uh, the Diggs boy, the corner, safety, rover, <laughs> robber, whatever he's playing. Man. I'm calling it now, but if he's not in the mix for defensive player of the year, you know, obviously pending he stays healthy mm-hmm. and he continues the success he has. But right now he is the front runner for defensive player of the year. The guy has eight interceptions in the last Cowboys nine games. Big E. And I feel like he has five this season. I haven't seen a corner so dominant before. Mm. The only person I can compare him to when I say dominance is Charles Woodson. When Charles Woodson is prime, Mm. that's the only corner that I felt like was just dominant, dominant. Of course, you got your Deion Sanders and stuff like that. But this kid digs. He's not just picking balls off. Mm. Like his aggression like, he's tackling you like he's a 215-pound safety. He ain't just tackling you. He going through you. He's finishing <laughs> yeah, tackles. Yeah. You know, he's he finishing is. them. And, he he's, and he got good size for himself. You know, mm-hmm. So to me, I feel like the way he's playing defensively, the way he's – the ball just finds him. Of course, you got to be in the right position. Yeah, but for sure. It's like the ball just finds him. And then Dak made a, a comment after practice, I mean, after the game. He was like, listen, these quarterbacks got to understand you can't throw certain routes – Versus this guy, he said, because he throw picks in practice to him. So when when Diggs are picking these balls off in the game, and this one thing everybody need to understand, when you see these guys doing stuff in games, whether it's a defensive back always catching picks, whether it's a linebacker always tearing somebody's head off, whether it's a quarterback always throwing dimes, mm-hmm. if he's doing it in the game, he's killing in practice. <laughs> yeah, for because sure. Because it just it just don't happen. Yeah, if you're not doing it in practice. It's not just going to happen for you in the game. Mm-hmm. It's not like not literally. Not going to get lucky. If it looked bad in practice, it's going to look bad it's in the gonna game. It's going to look bad in the game. But yeah. if they killing this thing consistently in games, yeah. they look like all world in practice. They have to. I mean, this kid is fantastic. Remember, we, me and Lamb, uh, former Pirate teammate, were talking about Diggs and his brother, the other Diggs that plays for Buffalo. It's like mm-hmm. at the family reunion, are they doing one-on-ones or something? <laughs> Because, I mean, that's, that, that's a fantastic family gene pool I'm right now. You, you know what I mean? To sit yeah. here and say – He's arguably, I think it's his second year, but he's the best DB in the first few weeks of the season right now uh, compared. And that's numbers-wise as far as picks. But like you said, the tackles are impressive. Mm-hmm. 
And he's always in the right place. And then some of the catches, the interceptions or pass breakups, it's like the effort level, laying out, diving, stripping the ball out on the fumbles and stuff like that. And I feel, feel like he even has a sack. He got them and young he has legs. two pick sixes, I believe. He got them young legs, I mean, man. And he's from Alabama, too. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, last week when he played the Eagles, I mean, how did it feel covering a Bama player and then picking off a Bama player and then cribbing it to the house? And I was, that had to be a special moment for him. You know, moving on, Brady went back to New England. Yep. Um, they ended up winning 19 to 17. Mm-hmm. I, back in my mind, I felt like it was rigged for the story. I know it probably wasn't, but it just felt like it was rigged for the story. Mm-hmm. But my biggest outtake was that Brady didn't have the most impressive day as far as touchdowns. And I feel like part of that came down to not having Gronkowski there as a safety blanket. And I felt True. like that would have been a, so much better because those routes that the tight ends ran in the red zone where I was just like, that was Gronk, that was caught. And and they're dropping, but but then you got to think about. It. I think that was a big part of it. You definitely need Gronk in that red zone. Mm-hmm. But I think the weather played a big part as well. For sure, I, I would I would I agree with you that. But my next question: Someone uh, made a comment. Mac played a good game. Is he a good person to say he can replace Brady and all of the history? I don't sit here and say he's going to win six, seven Super Bowls. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. But is he a better replacement than Cam Newton would have been? Biggie, we talked about this on the last episode, mm-hmm. I want to say. We hit on it briefly. And I, and I want to say, I remember telling everybody, whoever's playing the Patriots, go get your lips, your, your licks in now. You did say that. Get you them in now. That. Because that quarterback they have, to me, like I said, I don't think he's going to win as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady has won. Yeah. Because that's, that's crazy. Once in a lifetime. Yes. But talent-wise, productivity-wise, He's right there. He's the perfect replacement for for Tom Brady the, because you can just see how he move, how he sit in the pocket, how, mm-hmm. how he just his awareness is up, how yeah. he goes through his progressions. He is a leader in every sense of the word for that team, and I feel like he's definitely the best replacement that they could have ever found for Tom Brady. In which you never think you know, we wouldn't be sitting here thinking you would never think that we'll be sitting here talking about a replacement for Tom Brady and he's just as good as Tom Brady or he's going to be just as good as Mm -hmm. Tom Brady. You would never think that. No, not a chance. But this guy is very impressive for his first year coming in and doing the things he's doing. You know, it's, it's impressive. Another question. I'm gonna put you on the spot. We talked about this last week. Top three receivers in the game. You said, Mm -hmm. give me a week. Man. You probably slipped your mind. I probably should have sent the reminder. Man. You know, I'm gonna give you one and we're just gonna go with this and that's gonna have to be Keenan Allen. I like him. And he's been consistent for years. For years. He has been consistent. A lot of people don't like it, but he just was playing in the wrong market where people don't pay attention to the Chargers. That's all it is. Exactly. You got to go with Keenan Allen. I feel like because he's just been consistently killing. I still feel like you got to go with Antonio Brown. He's still got to be in the mix of that, even though he went through all the mess he went through. And he dropped, he dropped the ball, a touchdown that he usually would make. Right. He did. He did. He he definitely did. But I still got to put him at the top with uh, Adams from Green Bay. Green Bay. So you saying Antonio Brown is better than Mike Evans for the Bucks? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm, what, I'm not going to argue what, with you. What have? Don't get me wrong. So when I say yes like that in a high pitch, I don't want you, you to did. think. Yeah, you I don't did. want I you to think I'm disrespecting Mike Evans. You, you definitely Cause, were. Yeah, because Mike Evans is a, is a good receiver. But what have you heard from Mike Evans the last couple of years? But I believe that has something to do with taking some of his touches away because now you're spreading the ball to 
Antonio, but then also you bring in this quarterback and Tom Brady, who, where you had Winston, all he had was Mike Evans. So Mike Evans' numbers were crazy back mm-hmm. then. You know, Mike Evans had uh, double-digit touchdown seasons. I get it. You know, and I, I would love to see the comparison. He's 6'5", 225. I just, for some reason, looks I like good. That. Looks fantastic, right? But, Biggie, if we're going back to stats, like to older stats, the best, the best receiver in the game is still Antonio Brown. Yeah. So from, since 2014, Mike Evans has 63 touchdowns. You didn't think he good. had that many, though, That's did you? Good. You didn't think he had I that didn't. many. That's pretty you good, know? though. But I, I mean, honestly, Antonio Brown probably had more. But still, I got to oh, man, it's hard to put Antonio Brown over him just because of all the off-the-field stuff. That's personal. We know. That's, That's personal. my fault. We're talking about football. I, I, I understand that, but I just I can't get with it. You know what I mean? It's just huh? I, I struggle with that idea. Tony Brown's, holy, Tony Brown only has 17 more touchdowns, and he's been in the league for four more years. How many more touchdowns? 17. Four more years? And he's been in four more years. He has 80. So, so do the math. What's 17 divided by four? I mean, that's four years. That's four years. Yeah. So, hey. Yeah, you think about it now, right? You think about it, but he's, I feel like he's still more productive. You just like his style. Not so much his style. This this this, why I, this is the reason why I love Antonio Brown, and not so much uh, this year Antonio Brown. I think I think he's still finding his way, and yeah, he's, he's still sure. getting he's back to figure groove. it out. Yeah, but Antonio Brown is what five eight, five nine. Yeah, probably five nine, five ten at the most. We give him five ten at the most. Five ten, five ten at the most. He played for a team where everybody knows. And listen, I don't played against him. I know how we prepare for him. Everybody knows he's going to get the ball. Everybody knows. He's going to be, he's not going to be a big receiver. You're going to double him. You're going to roll your coverages to him. You're going to put your best corner on him. Every team does this. Mm-hmm. And he still catches over 100 balls a year. How does that happen? It's not like he's just physically uh, out jumping or just a physical specimen that he's just catching these balls over guys. It's not that, but he still gets double every game, doubled and triple team every game. He's let's not still forget that up. he had, let's not take it. Le'Veon Bell did his part when he was in the backfield now. That's fine. He didn't do that. But guess then what? Then he had the, the, the Bryant guy on the other side that took away some of that. He made them. How you think, uh, how do you think <laughs> you get a Juju uh, Smith? How do you think you get a Bryant over there? The only reason they shine is because Brown is taking all the coverage away and he's still killing. I respect that. You mean you play the position, not me. So, you know, a little bit more than I do. (laughs) You know, I'm still going to argue it. But, you know, it is what it is. All right. But moving on to college football, we had in state. We had North Carolina State playing Louisiana Tech. We brought back old uh, Skip Holtz, Mm -hmm. brought him back. they lost to NC State in Raleigh, mm-hmm. uh, 34 to 27. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish they would have won, mm-hmm. not because I'm like, like a huge skip fan or anything, but just the fact that I would rather have NC State lose. Uh, UNC played Duke. <laughs> really don't care which don't Duke would have beat UNC, but it is what it is. Well, Caroline won 38 to 7. Wake Forest, the number 19 team in the nation. That's crazy. And just last week we said, who watches Wake? Who goes to Wake? We were just dogging uh, Wake. We were just dogging Wake. <laughs> and then they just pull up the thing. Wait, hold on. Number 19, they played Louisville and won 37 to 34. Where did it come I, from? I had no clue how that happened. Listen, I'm not a Wake fan. I don't even... 
I think I know one person that went to Wake Forest. Tim Duncan. <laughs> and I don't even know Tim Duncan. Right. But it was in, uh, and, and uh, Chris she, Paul. And she went for soccer. Oh, you know, a soccer player that went. Uh, you know, I, I don't I, think I know anybody else that went to Wake Forest. I know a doctor that went to Wake Forest. That's it. <laughs> How about any foot? You know, any guy, anybody that played football for Wake Forest? No, other than the, the the story where they made the, like the Lifetime movie about the player and his brother getting killed in a car accident or some. That's the only thing. It's like, I think his name was Jason Abadi or something like that when they had a little movie about it. But personally, knowing a Wake Forest guy, I've never seen a person wear a Wake Forest shirt. <laughs> you know what? I do smart. I do know smart when the Wake Forest. It just came up. My old coach, Coach Pascal, my high school coach. He plays center for Wake Forest. That's yeah. the only person I know. That's the only person I know. So I, I sometimes no disrespect. Get, it's just that I just you forget they in North Carolina for sure. You for sure. You had UNC Charlotte. They play Illinois. Got beat twenty four to fourteen. You had App State play Georgia State, and App State beat Georgia State to death forty five to sixteen. So App State is still legit. Yep. So it kind of still it's kind of like that ECU fan that is like I'm justifying why we lost to them mm-hmm. because they keep winning. <laughs> you yeah. know. They were a good team. They were That's a good all team. It was, they you know? are a good team. Uh, just it, it was what it was, you know. Um, I know we were talking about um, potentially adding a segment to our show mm-hmm. about uh, teaching athletes how to interview. Yep. So in the near future, we'll probably be trying to implement that uh, as far as college athletes or high school and even Little League. We just want yep. to start that because it's so important about how to interview when you're being asked tough questions and everybody can't Marshawn Lynch it. True. Everybody can't Bill Belichick it. You can't True. do that. You know what I mean? That's not how it, how it works. Sometimes that'll work against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to implement that because I don't know if a lot of people probably don't pay attention to it, but listening to some, some of these college guys interview it's just like, man, they how did they get to college? Yeah. How did they get there? I tell you something, when I was in uh when I was in Dallas, the the one thing that Coach Parcell told us, I think it was two things about when we were getting interviewed by the media. And he didn't go into how to say things. He just said two things not to say. Don't talk about injuries and don't talk about your teammates. Those are the two things that we knew going into an interview. We could never talk about injuries. We could never talk about if this person is hurt or if this person playing this week or if you're hurt. Or yeah. if, and don't talk about your teammates. Makes sense. So you get baited into some of that stuff. Though, they try man. to bait they you. Try they try They try to get that information out of you. I had a, a young man who was in college and he got removed from the team and he started working for the radio station. Mm-hmm. Still on scholarship. Okay. And... This is going to the end of the year. He needed a summer semester, and they were going to see him through that. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the coaching staff. Oh, why he did that? to say he lost his money for that summer semester. Why he did that? You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't talk bad about nobody that's feeding you. I can tell you that exactly. much. Exactly. You know? And and as we sit here and talk, we're going to move over to, to East Carolina here shortly, but as we've done in the past couple of weeks, we're going to the Q&A with T-Cop. Oh, a little question and answers. Here we go. People want to hear from a former NFL guy. Uh, his answers on, on certain topics that are very, you know, fresh mm-hmm. in the NFL world. And first one being, this one's coming from uh, one of my coaches, actually, Coach Callie. Uh, he's, he's one of my offensive assistants on my uh National champion, North Carolina Rebels. Yes, okay. I threw it out there. I like that. But uh, he wanted to know, what do you think of the officiating when it comes to how defenders 
are being penalized for tackling and the defensive players, the targeting and all of that stuff. How do you feel about that? I feel like in real time, the game is getting solved mm-hmm. in real time. But you look at the, the long-term after effect of these hits. One thing, CT is so real. I'm just being real with you. That stuff is real. So I get how the NFL is trying to make it a safer game, mm-hmm. especially with all the lawsuits out here. That's the part you know what I'm saying. That's what's making the game soft. Yeah. So I get why they have to do these things. My thing is when it comes, I definitely agree with the crackback block where you can't be hitting a defensive player when he's look when he out looking. You come back because I used to love to do that. That was my mo coming out of high school. What about Antoine Yerberton? <sighs> West Killer. Virginia. And he hit the punter on the sideline. And his head hit first? Yes. The back of his head hit first? Man. I'm going to tell you something. I don't even care if you're looking at Antoine. I call him Killer. That's what we call him. We call him Killer. I don't even call him Antoine. His name Killer. It's his name like, is Killer. But I wanted the people to know, <laughs> know who, exactly who, that, who he Killer was. is Antoine Yelverton. Killer is Antoine Yelverton. Antoine Yelverton is Killer at the same time. Listen, you don't, you don't want to hit him head up when you're looking at him. <laughs> no. No. Nonetheless, getting blindsided by him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but I get the reason they put that rule in. Mm-hmm. I get that. The rule that I don't like about it is when it comes to the quarterbacks. The fact that you can't, even if it's not a late hit, even if it's a hit on the quarterback when he's throwing the ball, you can't hit him below his, his knees. Like, that's the part I don't get. Like, if you hit a quarterback below his knees and it's actually during the play, you still going to get a flag for it. Yeah, it's crazy. That's you could be getting get. blocked into that. Or getting thrown into that. So it's just like, so as soon as I fall down, I'm supposed to be dead to the play. I'm telling you. I find it to be stupid, too. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of it as as well. But that's to to answer your question, I I get why they are trying to improve the game when it comes to safety. Mm -hmm. But some of the rules are a little bit too far over the edge. Can I ask you a personal question? Yep. No time soon, but Mm -hmm. the day comes that T-Cop is no longer on this side of the dirt. Mm -hmm. You're going to donate. To the cause to have your, your brain studied and all that for the CTE cause? I probably will. Yeah? I probably will. That's a little gruesome to talk about. Though. I mean, I don't I, need it anymore. I wouldn't need it. This is true. You know? This is true. I mean, <laughs> half the time we don't use it anyway. But uh, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand exactly why they do the rules. I'm not a huge fan of it. How do you feel about the your receiver? Mm-hmm. Your receiver's getting hit by safeties. Okay. Do you think, I mean, I felt like that was always part of the game. It's like, part of the game. You know, bang, bang plays. And you, you're a receiver. You guys move your bodies once you catch it to go into protective mode. And a player on defense can change, like, has committed to this move because you're flying through the air. Then you move your body and he hits you and now he's penalized. I feel like they should probably go into more of an in-depth review of these things because I really feel like it's unfair sometimes to the defenders. And then they're potentially getting fined. Everybody's not making a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I agree so with that. So some of those dollar amounts hurt somebody more than they might. You know, a guy already got $20 million in the bank versus a rookie who has 50000 in the bank. It's a major difference when you find him twenty grand. Yeah, and, and one good thing that NFL has done with that is the fines are based off your salary now. That's good. So, but before it wasn't like that. If it was a $50,000 fine, that's just what it is. You're getting fined yeah. $50,000 regardless of how much money you so make. So you got to go four weeks of game checks before you it, can pay it. Exactly. You know, so, but when it comes to – Safety's coming out hitting receivers. I feel like when I played in the league, when I played in college, that was just part of the game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that was a great way for scouts, for coaches, for teammates 
to really evaluate what type of receiver you have. Because the NFL is not just X's and O's. A lot of it is mental as well. Mm. A ton of it is mental. So if you get a receiver that's coming across the middle and he coming across and he have no, no fear in him because if he get hit a certain way, the flag is coming, that's a different type of receiver. But when you got a receiver like when we played coming across the middle, he know he's going to get hit and he know it, there is no flag coming behind him. But he's still going and throwing his body, making that catch and still getting hit. To me, you can evaluate a kid mentality right. better when it when it's tough. So, it, you know, with you saying that, and I never mm-hmm. thought about this until you said that. How much does it hurt a defensive back who's in high school mm-hmm. who keeps getting he's labeled as a hard hitter, mm-hmm. but he keeps getting penalized three times, two, two times a game for targeting mm-hmm. or unnecessary roughness or hitting a defensive player, whatever it's called. How does that like do you bring that kid into your university? Because now you're sitting there, okay, he gets two penalties a game that are 30 yards a game. If you do that, let's say, 10 times in a high school season, you have 300 yards of penalties on yourself mm-hmm. just for those. Do you bring him to university because now he might look like he's uncoachable? But how do you take the aggression out of a player other than moving him to linebacker, I guess? Man, I'm bringing him to my university. I'm putting him on scholarship. <laughs> I'm getting him a jersey. Listen, one thing that you can do that is hard to do it's hard to coach aggression. Correct. You can always kind of scale it back a little bit, but it's hard to get a kid to be aggressive if it's not in him already. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so the fact that you can find a kid that has that aggression and one of my favorite players to ever play the game, he's a younger guy. He don't play anymore. I think he retired. He's retired. Eric Berry. I don't know if anybody the knows safety. Eric Berry. The safety. Kansas City. Yeah, yes, yeah. Kansas City played for Tennessee. He's my favorite Defensive back of all times uh, because of his mentality, because of the way he respect the game, because of the way he respects special teams. And when I tell you he a dog. He had cancer, right? He had cancer and he beat it. Yeah. Biggie, a dog dog. Like yeah. that's the type of guy where if he's leading me, I'm following. I'm following because yeah, he's going to everything that he's talking about. He does it in practice over and over and over, like to the point to where if the running back catch it, if he get a if he get a running play and he break loose, of course, you ain't tackling in practice. EB is going to run with him, sprint with him all the way to the end zone, come back line for the next play. A receiver catch a pass and receiver, he's running down the field. EB going to run right beside him, sprinting the whole way, come back, line up again. He does it. Every single play in practice, every single play in practice, and not even just that, he played on all special teams, and he still started at safety. That's unheard of. And he mm-hmm. he could have easily been a special team um, pro bowler if he wanted to. Like, that's how he commits himself to the game. That's how much he respects the game. And you got to appreciate a guy like that, man. You have to. You have to. So, moving to the next question, which this is coming from me. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to probably put this in every week because you played, you probably played every team in the league. I have. So mm-hmm. when I say a team's name, okay, I'm just going to randomly pick this. So it's going to catch you on the fly. Mm-hmm. Give me your, your best memory of playing that team. Okay. And being that Monday night happened, I'm going to go with the Chargers. So best memory of playing against the Chargers. Hmm. He's smiling, folks. Chargers. I Chargers. Where, I don't know where this is going. 
<laughs> okay, so <laughs> listen, if you got kids around, go ahead and close your ears. Uh-oh. It's Uh-oh. one of those. It's one of those. Okay, so when we traveling, well, so we get to the game, right? We on the bus. We traveling from the hotel. This is game day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with the Chiefs. Okay. You know, we play the Chargers twice a year. They're in our division. So when we leave in the hotel that morning to go to the stadium, so we all on the buses, we go into the stadium. Once we pull into the stadium, now we're just going, we're driving the bus through the stadium to get to our locker room to park and get mm-hmm. out and get to the locker room. So you got to pass all of the tailgaters. So when we're driving past the tailgaters, you know, they all yelling, pointing fingers at mm-hmm. you and stuff mm-hmm. like that because they know you, the Chiefs, coming in. Well, it was an old lady, Big E, and she had to be about 70 years old. No lie. At least 70. Mm-hmm. That's how old she looked. She had a black trench coat on. Now, we in San Diego. It don't really get cold in San Diego. Why you have a black trench coat on? I'm scared to hear this. Biggie. No, she didn't. She opened it up, Biggie. Oh, my goodness. Biggie, she opened, she opened her tr- black trench coat up. And what I saw <laughs> traumatized me. Oh, man. And what I saw, it traumatized, it traumatized me so much that I'm telling the story right now. Yeah. Biggie, she opened it up and she had on, she had a strap on on. Wow. The biggest strap on I've seen in my life, she just started swinging it. <laughs> <laughs> she just started swinging it, Biggie. We almost flipped out on the bus. Like you we was like, focused no more. Biggie, I can't make this up, Biggie. Like oh. she, she opened that coat up, had that strap on, and she was just swinging. Just <laughs> letting, letting it ride. Just put it on the table sometimes. Oh my god, Biggie, that's to me that is. And like I said, I done played against the Chargers a ton of times, but that is the memory that stands out to me the most out of any time I played the Chargers. I, you know, I can honestly see why you remember that. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh my crazy, goodness. crazy, crazy. That's terrible. Dude, somebody had to get this on camera somewhere. We didn't get it. We weren't expecting it. I, I imagine. But we weren't expecting it. We driving by, and all of a sudden, she, everybody pointing, and she up with a black trench coat. She fling it open, and she start swinging Tell me it. she had more clothes on, though, right? She had clothes on. Okay. She had okay. clothes on. Okay. Yeah, she, she won't neck it, but yeah. she was hiding something else. That's what she was hiding. That's what she was hiding. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Crazy. So, our third and final question comes from... Okay. From a guy in South Carolina named Maurice Patterson, he wanted to ask you, how dominant are the NFL offensive linemen Mm -hmm. as well as who is the best offensive lineman that you've seen play? And I think a lot of people don't understand, and this is coming from me, former offensive lineman, the amount of effort, Mm -hmm. being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. and lack of respect that the O-line deals with. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's something that's not very respected that I feel like more teammates will understand how hard a guy is working or how good a guy is mm-hmm. before just the outside looking in fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how dominant are these guys? Like as far as their strength numbers and, and how their physically physical abilities and, and all of that, like you've seen it firsthand as mm-hmm. a, as have I, but you saw it for a lot longer than I did on that level. So dominant wise, of course you're going to have, when it comes to strength, you, you're going to have your Larry Allens. Yeah. Benching 700 pounds. Pound bencher, you know what I'm saying? Running I, look, under a five flat 40. I seen Larry Allen when I was with the Cowboys. We in training camp. Oh, you that old? Yeah. 
No, he that old. No, Put it that you old. that old. Like, <laughs> you've been you've been retired for more than five years yeah. now. Yeah. So I played with Larry Allen, man, for uh, I want to say two years with the Dow with man, the Dallas Cowboys. Man. And so during training camp, you know, training that back then those training camps we was going two a days yeah. padded. It won't know one practice is padded and other practice is a walkthrough. Nah, it was straight two a days. Larry Allen used to come work out after the practices, and he got 400 pounds on the bench, repping them out. Repping out. That's the type of dude with Larry Allen. That's when it comes to dominant, like strength-wise, Larry Allen probably the mm-hmm. strongest guy. But when it comes to when it comes to mentality-wise, I gotta respect all the offensive linemen. And and this is the reason why I say that. It takes a certain type of guy, and let me put you in the mind frame of a receiver first. I got to take you here so I can bring you where I want you, to, want you to come with me. As a wide receiver, you really don't get a chance to be down in them trenches with the O-line and D-line. Mm-hmm. But as a wide receiver, when you're breaking the huddle, I never even see what D-linemen look like on the opposing team when I break the huddle because that's not my world down there. My world is linebackers, yeah. safeties, corners. So them trenches, not even my world. I don't even know what they look like. But during the games, when we in that huddle and I break that huddle and them D linemen are just standing at the line of scrimmage with their hands on their hips, Big E, they huge, Big E. Them D linemen, huge. But for offensive linemen to have to block them dudes every single snap, Every single time. And these guys are huge. They're aggressive. If they wasn't aggressive, they wouldn't be playing D-line. Mm-hmm. For offensive linemen had to block these type of these type of guys that look that some of them six, 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 seven, six, eight. I, you know, I went to high school with Mario Williams. So you already know what yeah, I'm talking like we about. We played side by side. He's yeah. six seven, two ninety, physical specimen. Yeah. And, and and I understand that. And a lot of guys coming out of high school that are big linemen like myself, six mm-hmm. five, three hundred. We don't know how to use our body yet Mm-mm. until we get to college. And, and my wake up call was, who was it? It was uh, Hosea James. Mm-hmm. I know Hosea. I went to shoot my hands to block him. He caught both my wrists, lifted them above my head, and just pushed me backwards and was <laughs> laughing at me. First time I ever experienced that ever yeah. in my life. You know what I mean? Then the next one was Ronald Ronald Pugh. Big Pugh, junkyard dog. I would say he probably carried me two gaps over. Mm-hmm. And then I got slammed into Jay Blair, who was coming the other way. <laughs> Jay, well, you bring back memories. I had a concussion. <laughs> and, you know, this is years later, obviously. I can talk about this. Yeah. But I didn't go to my English class for about three weeks. Dang. And I know it was from symptoms of the fact that I just, nothing was right. Yeah. Nothing was right. And then I finally <laughs> went to saw the trainers, and I was like, hey, this has to be something wrong with me, man. I don't know what it is. But that was my first concussion. Yeah. It was dealing with them. So something we didn't understand how to use. So mm-hmm. getting to the next level. As far as the NFL, you have to have a different mentality to be an offensive lineman. You Excuse do. my language, you have to be an asshole for four seconds. Yep. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable for four seconds. Mm-hmm. You have to not care about another person's life for four seconds to play that position because if you let up any moment, not to mention it's on tape, mm-hmm. it's going to be embarrassing. Yep. Or you're going to have a major injury. Mm-hmm. And that's just. Offensive line, period. My very first rep when I was with the Panthers, lo and behold, they moved me to from left tackle to right tackle. So I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Julius Peppers, pigeon toe self, <laughs> walks up. I'm just like, Lord, like, I'm a rookie. Can I get Here a rookie? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how am I going to get this guy on my very first rep? You know yeah. what I mean? 
And I had already respected Julius because when I was getting recruited by Carolina, I would go to the games and talk with him and hang out and stuff like that. So I knew him. Yeah. But I didn't know what type of rep he was about to give me. Yeah, yeah. Is he full <laughs> speed? He's a franchise guy. Yeah. What am I going to have? What, what am I dealing with here? <laughs> Need to say, I grabbed a hold of that Joker jersey. Mm-hmm. I probably I probably could have broke the fingernails off my fingers <laughs> through them gloves how hard I gripped the inside of his pad. And he was like, come on, man. Like, what you doing, man? I was like, man, what are you talking about? Did you not watch your tape from last year? I know who you are. I'm going to get cut off this one rep. I got to make sure I grab a hold of you right now. Yeah. You know, so those defense alignment are special. Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Cullen Jenkins and Chris Jenkins. Okay. Make Kumio, too. Mm-hmm. These are D linemen. Mm-hmm. Big John Henderson. Big John Henderson, 6'8". You know, you have Cullen Jenkins. I catch a ride with him from the calf to the dormitory when we were in Spartansburg, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. All right, we're getting a two-seater BMW. Dude, 6'5", 360, <laughs> strong. We get in the car. He smokes like three cigarettes between wow. this facility to that facility. I'm like, this makes no sense to me. Like, I'm thinking you're a football player. You don't smoke cigarettes. Yeah. He's knocking them back. But then he go out <laughs> in the field. He plays in, like – turf shoes on grass because he's just big. His job is not to get moved. Yeah. It's literally what he was supposed to do. Two steps, shoot his hands, hold on, and don't let you move him. Yeah. Did it like a pro. Was always overweight. It was $350 per pound you were over the weight limit they wanted you to be. That don't went up now to $600. It's $600 per pound? $600 a pound. That's crazy. Well, I know he paid $50,000 in fines that year for weight. It's crazy. $50,000 in fines for weight. And guess what? He said, I don't care. <laughs> I ain't losing the weight. They ain't going to get rid of me. So need to say, it was crazy. But, you know, that's just my quick little story. But who's yeah. the best lineman that you would say that you've seen offensive lineman? So one of the best offensive linemen, of course, you got to always say Larry Allen. He's up there. But the guy that I played with, the Kansas City, that I just respect so much was because of the conversation he had with me. A guy named Casey Wigman. Mm-hmm. Casey Wigman was a center. He played for the Chiefs, played some other teams, but he played for the Chiefs and played for the Broncos but played the longest with the Chiefs. He has played 175 straight games. Straight games. That's 10 seasons. Yeah. With a couple of playoff games in each season. Not missing a game. Not missing. I had a conversation with him one day after practice, after a game. I think we just won the game. It may have been practice. But I'm like, I'm like Casey, I said, when you pancake a dude, why you don't get excited? Why don't you? Why don't you get hyped? Because like I'm thinking, like for me, if I if I lay somebody out, especially if I'm going against this DB all the time, and he's talking junk to me, and I get a chance to lay him, I'm gonna let him know about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so he was like, "Cop." He was like, "Man, I've been playing this game because I want to see." This was year 16 for him because he played 16 16 years. It was either 15 or 16 for him. He said, "Cop." He said, "I've been playing this game for so long." He said. I respect everybody that I got to block. He was like, because the same way I just pancaked this guy, he could come back and do me the exact same way. He says, so I'm always working hard, but I'm humble with it because I understand that the same way I dominate a guy, he could do the exact same to me any given play. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, so I just, I don't do a lot of talking. I do my job because I know if I slip up my job just one time, it could cost the team because he's the center. Because if he slip up and don't get a block and get your quarterback hurt, guess what? A lot of people don't think about it. Guess who touched the football the most? The center and the quarterback. Yeah. The center and the quarterback. Guess so, who plays the most snaps in the game? Probably the center. The O-line. <laughs> the O-line. 
So yeah, we don't substitute. Mm-mm, you don't. But that's why I respect Casey so much because of his respect, not only for the game, but his respect for his opponents that he's playing against. And he played it for 16 years, and I just respect him. Casey Wigman. Casey Wigman. Y'all yep. look him up. Y'all, you know, you, you, you learn something. You learn some respect, young guys, young old linemen. So with that, that's our question and answer segment with T-Cop. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I interjected a little bit. <laughs> it's all right. You need to. We you talk about your position. Gonna, I got to give him a little bit of my seasoning every now and again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I love the O-line. So moving on to that, we're going to go into East Carolina University. ECU. Spirit of the East. Yep. We painted it purple this weekend. Oh, yeah. But I felt like we didn't have the same amount of people that we in the stands as we did the week before. I felt like we had more the previous week than with this one after coming off a win. Now, I'm hoping we can go down to UCF and do business. And then when we come back home again, mm-hmm. which sucks because it's going to be a Thursday night. So, you know, it's not going to be that many people there on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about this weekend's performance? Man, I, Biggie, I feel like bad teams don't win three in a row. You know, bad teams don't win three in a row. And the way we played this weekend, man, is you can tell we getting better. We're getting better. And better and better. And what I like about it is the games that we didn't play perfect ball, we were still winning them. So you're learning lessons and you're getting better. And, yeah, the games wasn't perfect, but you were still finding a way to win. You know, with those wins, you're able to take a little bit more constructive criticism. Yeah. Without it, like, hit, like without it pushing you back or making you go back a step mentally. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we spoke about it earlier about the mentality and having the mental toughness in the game of football, which I strongly believe is probably one of the hardest games to, to stay mentally tough because you got to be fast, you got to be long-winded, and you got to be physical. Mm-hmm. Those are some challenging things to sit here and say, I can't have a weak mental moment. And for our players to stay mentally tough, when you go last week where we were up and they closed the gap. Mm-hmm. This week, same thing. Yep. We were up and they closed the gap a little bit. But um, I was really impressed. Like, it felt good. I had some friends and family in town, and it was a, a good atmosphere in the stands. And, you know, earlier that day I watched my son play, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, me and uh, Coach Connor Duke are the coaches of his little league, and we won, by the way, 2-0. Okay, okay. okay. No, I'm not going to mention the other two, three seasons <laughs> we didn't win a game, but we 2-0 now. Yeah. It is what it is, and our boys are balling, so I found it to be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, my little man, uh, Holden Duke <laughs> and little Eric, they balling right now. Not, you know, I've got to throw my two cents in with you gotta that. you got to throw them out there. You know, but to go to over to the stadium to see the tailgating, it looked good over there at the elementary school, the parking lot's full mm-hmm. with the RVs. People walking up, the yelling at the purple and the gold walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it. I the, the purple haze coming on. I'm getting goosebumps right now on the air just thinking about it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it feels good compared to when me and you were going to sit in the stands, and I, me and you could sit eight seats away and have a casual conversation yeah. because there was no noise in the building. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like I really feel like now you got the PA system playing music, you got the fans making noise, you can get caught up in the game. It feels like a game. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the fans that are coming. But uh, for the ones that still haven't showed up yet, let's go. Come on. Let's yeah. pack the house. Let's get Dottie Fickman looking like when Dave Garrard was playing mm-hmm. or was winning those Conference USA championships with Skip Hose and Chris Johnson. Let's get this joker full. Matter of fact, remember the last time we played NC State at home and they completely stated there was no room to do anything. Like you just had to sit in your seat and literally you had to be like, hey, man, that's my seat you in. 
You know what I mean? Let's. I want to be able to say, "Hey, man, you in my seat? Four yeah. and five. That's yeah. mine. Four and five. Four I need five. that. You know what I'm saying? Let me get my seat. Like I want to argue that. Like argue with somebody about that. But it was good. It was good to see us win. Good to see us compete and finish the game. Mm-hmm. And we normally talk about the 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 household names, the Holt Nailers. Yeah. Mitchell's becoming a, ho- a household name. Sneed is a household name. Mm-hmm. CJ's a household name. Yep. I want to talk about my man Jones, the transfer from Oklahoma. I just want to talk about him first. The kid looks fantastic running. The body type, the I think he's what, 6'3, 240 ish, something, two things, 247, what is listed. I feel like they said 230 on the Jumbotron, which I feel like they stretching the truth. The boy's a little bit bigger than that. Mm-hmm. He runs so well. No offense, but I felt like his stride looked better than your stride when you was running back. Man, in the day. probably did, Big. I'm going to tell you something. This kid is a specimen. I feel like we got to get the ball in his hands even more than we did this game. Like he needs to be featured in our offense. Yeah, number, I mean, guys, we're talking number 13, Ryan Jones here. Yeah, he needs to be featured in our offense because. What he brings to the table, he brings size, he brings speed, mm-hmm. he brings somebody that can catch. Yeah. You know, so to me, it's a mismatch wherever you put him on the field. We jet sweep this. We, he ran a jet sweep. He can run on the linebackers and get separation. Mm-hmm. He can run on the safeties and get separation. And he's a big target, so it makes it easier for Houghton to, to, to hit him because we have some accuracy issues. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it gives you a bigger target to hit, you know, but – Six catches for 58 yards and a touchdown, and he came out of nowhere. Like, I literally, I saw him run, I said, who's that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who's, like, yeah. where did he, and, you know, and then to hear Coach Houston speak about it, it's like how he's told Ryan to, like, hey, be prepared. Your moment's going to come, and mm-hmm. then for it to come in the game, and they weren't afraid to use him. I mean, for six catches for 58, and I felt like he had a couple runs as well. So I find that fantastic to see that, you know. And going to Holt Nailers, he was 21 for 32, 288, mm-hmm. two touchdowns, no interceptions. That was a solid game for That's him. a solid game. That's a solid game. That's a solid game. I like. You felt the enthusiasm. When even when I even loved is how they pulled Ryan Garcia and let him throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Yep. They they lathering him up slowly but surely. Yeah. They getting them lathered up. Six, maybe five, not. Maybe not for this year. But for next year, they lathering him up. They getting them ready. But he threw a dart, and that was just a simple rollout. Throw it to the front pylon, to the in the flat, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But Rich Moten, which is a former safety here, we're sitting side by side, and he threw it, and we didn't throw up our hands for the touchdown or the fact we scored. We both of us say, yo, excuse my language. He threw that bitch. Like, that's really what we said. He's like, did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> he threw that like it was a dart. You know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. you know, what I loved about it is to see how much the teammates celebrated when he came to the yeah, sideline. Because you know that's his first touchdown. Mm-hmm. You Throwing. know? Yep. And then and Holton came over because Holton was like at receiver or something like that. He celebrated with him. Coaches celebrated him. Shook his hand. And asked him and said, uh-oh. What's happening here? The coaches seem to celebrate that one touchdown pass a little bit too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, what we got? I, mean, I don't think there's a quarterback controversy. No, but I don't think so. It's like we're we're waiting for it to happen, but it's good to see the kid and congrats to him on his first you know college touchdown pass of that game. All right, I don't know if it's of his career because I know they played a little last year, but mm-hmm. for this season, congrats to that. Mitchell, 15 carries for 222, 14.8 average, two touchdowns. I'm gonna let you have this because I know you're a fan of him. Biggie. I'm a huge fan of, and I keep comparing him to. His run style is not like this guy. They wear the same number, but Jamal Charles. I just keep comparing him to him, not because of their run style, but just his just his ability to to hit home runs no matter where you at on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it earlier, man. That's he averaging 14, 15 yards a carry, fourteen point <laughs> eight yards. 
you know, 15 carries, 222 yards, averaging 14.8 yards carry. Two t- you could, with him in the backfield, you can never count yourself out. Okay. You know, I don't care if it's two minute. And when I say two minute during two minute, that means when you have less than two minutes left going the clock. Most teams throw the ball. Alone. Yep. The fourth quarter, either halftime about to come up. Uh, it's a, it's a certain situational offense that we put in called two minute offense. And we're, it's a lot of throws, a lot of catching, getting out of bounds, clock trying to management. stop the clock, clock management. With this guy, usually you're not going to run the ball in two minutes. You probably run the ball for the first play just to get two minutes going. Mm-hmm. But with him, I would give him the ball in like a draw quickly because once he breaks loose, nobody's catching him. Nobody. Nobody's catching him. He's going to break all angles. It don't matter what angle you have on him, he's breaking them. Uh, somebody brought up, do I think he's faster than Chris Johnson? No. I never seen Chris Johnson play in college, but Chris Johnson, the four two guy, I don't think he's faster than Chris Johnson. There's not a chance. I seen Chris run four one eight. Yeah, a lot of people are gonna sit here and say I'm making that up. We're in Murphy Center. <laughs> Him, Travis Williams, and Reggie Williams are in there running on the track, mm-hmm. and they're I know they're clocking one another. And coaches, Coach Golden at the time is in there clocking them, strength coach, and they're unofficial times, obviously. Yeah. But it didn't look like their feet were touching the floor when they were running. Crazy. It didn't look like it. And Chris, you can feel the wind when Chris runs past you if he gets going full speed. Mm-hmm. I seen Chris. Matter of fact, you know, I, I'm going to take my, give, pat myself on the back. Chris' first college touchdown run was, play was, it was called truck. Mm-hmm. It's a tall sweep where there's a bunch of trips formation. The mm-hmm. tight end then bunch down. They come block the end. I pull around them, okay. and I lead up on the near defender, which is the safety coming down the field. Mm-hmm. I throw on him, bow, about knock myself out. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And that little <laughs> rascal squirt through there, and 80 yards down the Go field on. later, I'm sitting there laying on the ground still talking, <laughs> run, run. But, you know, it, it, it's, it, he actually posted it not too long ago on his Instagram page, so I thought it was pretty dope to sit here and know that I had something to do with it. And the mm-hmm. fact that you know, Chris is a really good dude. Like Chris and his celebrity that he's uh, earned mm-hmm. and his fame, solid dude. But never, ever, he's probably one of my favorite guys that like made it besides you and him as far as making it professional for a long-term period Man, of time. that's cool. And there's no way I would say that this kid is faster than him. Yeah. As explosive, possibly. Mm-hmm. And as early. See, Chris didn't really show out out until his senior year. So I'm mm. excited about Mitchell because he's doing it now. Yeah, he's doing it early. He's early in his career. So maybe he's sustaining. But, you know, Chris has, like, the record for all-purpose yards, if I'm not mistaken. I he could does. be wrong. No, I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right. But he also did that in the league where he got on the, uh, the list for that, too. I think he's only behind, like, Marshall Falk in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about Mr. Mitchell, not Chris Johnson. He's extremely fast. You know he reminds me of? Maybe not as thick. Who's the running back for the Falcons that did the Dirty Bird? Jamal, Jamal Anderson. Anderson. He reminds me of him as far as his like his lower body half, you know, mm-hmm. when he's running through the hole and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. faster than Jamal, but mm-hmm. it just reminds him of his run style. But I look forward to seeing what the kid does. And then Harris, you know, he stilled your workload, 20 carries at 70 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, yeah, you're talking, you know, three and some change per carry. Mm-hmm. But to go with the thunder and the lightning, which I feel like that's eventually going to end up being a thing. Yep. They're going to make it that. Mm-hmm. Um they work well together, and you never see one complain about the other. They sub- celebrate one another's successes, yeah. and that's the part I love. And then the thing, we still have a third back that really ain't got no touches like that yet that's supposed to be legit, too. So I look forward to seeing it. And these guys, if I'm not mistaken, they're the same year. Um, 
So it's dope. I look forward to seeing it. The kid is special. I still think he needs to be back on kick returns. Yeah. Let Snead keep punt returns. This kid mm-hmm. needs to be back on kick returns. If he's going to get five less touches than Harris in running the ball, mm-hmm. let's get him the touches in special teams. That's true. I agree with to, that. To make it fair. Not say make it fair, but to give us a chance for that explosion or set up some type of trickery or something. I don't know. Something. You know, going into the receiving game, it was pretty even. Yep. The ball was balanced out very, very well. It was 21, 22 completions in the day. Mm-hmm. Snead with four. Omatosha with four. Jones with six, which is a Ryan Jones, which I'm very impressed. Mm-hmm. CJ had four, and a couple guys had one and two here and there. Yeah, uh, It's good to see it spread out. You got 78 yards, 76 yards, 60 yards, and 50 yards. That means guys were catching the ball. Yep. CJ seems to be playing with a little bit more energy. Mm-hmm. Um I still would like to see him run some more routes, but it was good to see him show and celebrate after the game and look positive on his face. You know what I mean? He was celebrating. Yeah. It was good to see that uh, and to get him active. Omatosha, I'm loving what he's doing. I've always felt like he had the skill set, transferred from UCLA, played high school ball in Texas. So I felt like he should be excelling, and I feel like it's finally starting to click in his graduate year. Mm-hmm. And his Sneed is being Mr. Sneed. He does what he does. Does what he does. Give him the ball. He's going to do what he needs to do. So it, it, it looks good so far, you know. Going to the defensive side of the ball, how did you feel we played defensively? Defensively, I think we – it wasn't a great game, but we made plays when we needed to make plays. We did. I think we was being physical. One thing I like about our defense, man – we get turnovers. Yeah. And and people don't understand how hard it is to get turnovers. You get some teams that just, you just can't buy a turnover. You can't. You know, you can't buy one. But with us, we get turnovers every game. Like three of them minimum. Yeah. I feel like there's three. Like multiple every single game, you know. So I'm, I'm excited where our defense is at right now. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you can play average on defense. But if you're getting those turnovers... Uh, that, that, that's, it, extra yeah. possessions on yeah. offense helping each other out and you're getting your guys off the field where we lack in depth if we get off the field we get it back in rest mm-hmm. you know so I, I feel like, like that's a good thing um, I really appreciate the effort level and the aggression they played with this weekend yes like I was very excited to see how hard they were playing how fast they were playing and the simple fact that they were literally trying to take people's heads off when mm-hmm. they were hitting them. Like, there were some solid tackles in that game. Yep. And But one player stood out the most for me, and that's Jaquan McMillan. Mm. And again, like I said, I'm sitting with Rich Moten in the stands, uh, former DB. So to sit there and, and see what's going on with him and hear his reaction, Jaquan McMillan balled. Yeah. He'd he been balled. balling. I mean, but this kid was breaking up everything. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get, I think he had one or two picks. I think he had one. But... It was fantastic to see. Like, I don't remember the last time we had a group that, I'm not sure you're saying they're the best ever, but the group yeah, yeah. is playing pretty solid mm-hmm. in the secondary. So I'm excited to see it, and, you know, and moving forward. You know, uh, we got what, UCF coming up. We got to travel down to UCF, which has always been a tough challenge. Yeah. I don't know what our overall record is against UCF. UCF is coming off a loss to Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can't go, oh, we beat this team and – Navy lost to that team, and so now we're playing this team. Can't go off of that nah. because it's college football. Anything can happen yep. at any moment in college yep. football. Uh, but, I, I, again, I'm going to reserve my thoughts mm-hmm. because I'm a superstitious guy. Okay. And the fact that I haven't spoke the last three weeks, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that going. Okay, well, I so speak I'm going to let it. you speak on it. That's <laughs> all you. <laughs> so I feel like this game coming up versus UCF uh, is a very – Winnable game for us, mm-hmm. especially coming off 
three wins in a row. When I'm talking about coming off three wins in a row, I'm talking about East Carolina coming off three wins in a row. I think we're starting to figure some things out. I think we're starting to figure out what we're good at, what we can do, the things we may need to stay away from, the things we may need to continue doing. So I feel like as a team, our confidence level is up. And if we're going to go into UCF, you want to go into just winning three games in a row. We just coming off three games in a row. So you want to take that confidence in playing against them because everybody knows UCF is an amazing football team. I don't know what happened with them in Navy. I didn't expect Navy to, to beat UCF, but they did. And so now UCF, they may be questioning themselves on a few things. You just don't know. But when you play Navy, that's a different type of offense you're playing. You don't know what version. They make a mistake, it puts you in the game. Yep. Because they don't have the ability to throw the ball down the field to make the comeback. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like you get them to fumble the ball two, three times, and you recover them, and you go score, there's a chance you're going to beat Navy. Yeah. But if you don't get them to fumble, it's going to be an ugly day It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. I mean, in Greenville, North Carolina, we know oh so well. I feel like they scored, what, 70 on us mm-hmm. down here one time? Yep. You know, so I feel like it'll be a good game. They're both college football teams. Anything can happen. Yep. I want – I'm, you know what? I'm not breaking it. I'm not breaking it. We're, we're going to win that game. I think we win this game by three. I think we win it by the field goal late. I'm with it. I'm with it. You know, I didn't, and just random story, trip down to UCF. Mm-hmm. They had the best pregame juice I ever had in my life <laughs> in the hotel. <laughs> and it's coming from a big fella. So I'm a big guy. I like to eat. So it is what it is. You know pregame meals. Pregame yeah. meals are pregame meals. Yeah. They had some good juice, man. Dang. Man, I know this is crazy, but it <laughs> It was some good juice. I mean, I wish I knew what it was. Like, they put it on the table, and the boys was knocking it down quick. That's and they were just like, they ran out. Because the boys, <laughs> like, they better hurt and bring these plates of food because we was drinking it up. But, you know, that, that like you said earlier, teams that win three games in a way are not bad teams. And I mm-hmm. feel like our guys are learning to finish. Mm-hmm. Now, if we mow down there and mess around and, and slip up, I feel like we'll still be fine. Mm-hmm. But the way things are going, it's a positive future for the Pirates is how I feel. It's a positive future, however this weekend shows out and pans yep. out. You know, so I look forward to it for sure. You know, and that's pretty much what we got for today's show, right? That's it. You know, that's so it. today's show, again, was brought to us by Bet Online. You know, again, head to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus and on your first deposit. Don't forget to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. So get out there and make some bets. Jump on the website. See if you can get some in. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Again, um, don't forget to hit us up. Send us your emails of players of the week so that way we can talk about that and, and highlight those guys to, to go in the pool to win a gift from the War Room podcast at the end of this, the sports seasons. But uh, again, follow us on the War Room Facebook page, the War Room podcast. And uh, for Big E, it's T Cop. We are out of here. Appreciate you guys listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.